You are listening to Gangland Wire, hosted by former Kansas City Police Intelligence Unit Detective Gary Jenkins. Hey guys, all you wiretappers out there, this is uh, one of the series of short episodes about the Chicago outfit in 1989. I'm recording this with my friend Cam Robinson, Camulus Robinson, and Paul Whitcomb, my other friend. Both of these guys are experts on the Chicago outfit. Now, looking back at 1989, the Cubbies won first place in the National League East, but the Giants beat them in the National League playoffs, if you remember that. The Royals, since I'm from Kansas City, we finished second in the American League West, kind of on our way back downhill from our great win in the World Series in 1985. Richard J. Daly had been the mayor for a long time in Chicago, and Richard M. Daly, little Richie, became the mayor in 1989. Now you're going to notice that the sound is just a little off. I had to take the sound from a Zoom call because my recorder developed a problem during the taping, and I didn't notice it until we were about, God, I've been about an hour or so into it, and none of us wanted to go back over this again. It just, it's like catching lightning in a bottle doing a show. I felt like we'd done something really good, and it just, we, it just can't, sometimes you just can't do it again. So, but I think it's a cool show, a cool series of episodes about, Stool pigeons in 1989. Now, 1989, the Chicago outfit had a bad year, as you'll see. Everybody came in and started talking. So settle back and listen to this particular episode. I don't remember which is which. Now, don't forget to hit me up on my Venmo, buy me a shot and a beer, or help me buy a new recorder, which I'm going to do. Or hit me up on my website on the donate page using PayPal, or you can use your credit card. Now, settle back and listen to this particular episode of the year of the stool pigeon uh, if you if you hit me up on venmo or paypal i'll put you on a list to join in the zoom call that i do periodically with other podcast supporters now today i have my my good friend and, and a guy who's actually been kind of a part-time co-host off and on for the show uh, cam camulus robinson and along with cam we've got his friend and another chicago outfit expert Paul Whitcomb. Welcome, guys. How you doing, Gary? Thanks for having us. Now, you guys do another show up there in Chicago. What's what's that show that you guys have done up there? Well, we have uh, a couple of different things going on. The big thing that, that Cam and I have been doing is uh, the VPod TV network, which is a new TV network. We've got a show called Inside the Chicago Outfit, which is essentially four or five of us and special guests sitting around a table talking about different things in the Chicago outfit. We've done Sam Giancana, Tony Accardo, um, the policy wars. And it's it's a the brand new TV network that's available on several of the different uh, streaming networks, right, Cam? Right. It's uh, it's available on Roku, VPOD, uh, VPOD, and comes on Friday and Saturday nights at uh, 8.30 to 9.30 uh, Central and 9.30 to 10.30 uh, Eastern time. So it's it's... Really do a lot of research going into it. It's a lot of fun. Sit around and really go do a deep dive into a lot of lot of subjects. So it's a all right. Uh, let's move along to Mario John the Arm Renone. Is that correct, Cam? That yeah, that's Renone. Yeah. So tell us about that. I know we talked about this. You know a little bit about this one. It, 
this is kind of a funny one. He was he was sent to kill a building inspector. Uh, Raynon was with the was with the Grand Avenue crew, and so he's he's en route to kill this guy. And this is one of those one of those mob blunders. And he sees a couple guys following him, and it and it's it's Rudy Fredo and and Willie Messino, and he, he recognizes him when he's driving over there. And, and it's he, important to point out who who these guys are. Cam. Exactly. Exactly. Willie Messino was the right-hand man and bodyguard for Tony Accardo for 30 yeah. years. I mean, yeah. he was, he was serious, serious business. Rudy Fratto, you know what the chin, but yeah. Um, but, but Messino was serious news. If you yeah. saw Willie Messino, you knew you were, you were in for trouble. Yeah. He, he, he wasn't there as, as backup to do anything except clean up uh, after Ramon, including Raynon. So Raynon saw the writing on the wall. He, he 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 pulls up and uh, he goes straight to the FBI and he he informs he talks to them and gives them his information and later on uh, he sort of regrets doing so denies that he ever did uh, there were there were uh, articles written about him there's a there's a Chicago Tribune writer John Cass and Raynon had a back and forth with him writing letters. This is how these mob guys in, in Chicago operate, talking about I'm, I ain't no beefer. And uh, once he was out of prison in 2009, he was busted several more times, if you can believe it. He stayed in the criminal life. Uh, he was robbing a liquor store uh, with another guy. And um, the guy he was robbing with, this is this is why I jump ahead a little bit, was a guy named Vincent Forliano. Uh, he claimed that he didn't even know Fredo or Messino. These are guys he didn't know, so he never would have informed against them. Uh, the guy he was robbing the liquor store with and uh, he was committing other robberies with, Vincent Forliano, was Fredo's son-in-law. So <laughs> you know, he was he, he was committing robberies with a guy related to the guy, who was, but he, he didn't know who they were. And, and to say that somebody didn't know, as, as Paul said, William Messino, uh, is is just ludicrous to any anybody in the criminal atmosphere period knew who Willie Messina was because you were probably paying money to him to exist. Yeah. And, and this is extremely important because Renone at the time this happened, Renone cooperated long enough to record conversations with Lenny Patrick. That's right. That's right. And that set dominoes in place that would lead to the fall of the outfit. Uh, even though he tried to take back his cooperation to say he never cooperated. I've heard those tapes that were played in trials that I participated in. Uh, so I, I know better. Uh, and, and that's why they call him Mario flip-flop Renone because he uh, would cooperate and uncooperate and then cooperate. But he is the one who got Lenny Patrick on the hook. Interesting, interesting. Let's, uh, Paul, let's just continue on with this Lenny Patrick because we were going to talk about him. But that's a good lead-in to talking about another, really one of the most important informants that year and who testified. To talk about the domino that led to the end, Raynone really, really flipped the domino that, that kicked over. Go ahead, Paul. Well, Lenny Patrick was the highest, and even to this day, remains the highest-ranking member of the outfit to ever turn state's evidence. The guy was a capo in all but name. He had been in charge of Rogers Park, uh, the gambling. He was essentially the head of the Jewish arm of the mafia, kind of the Meyer Lansky uh, figure uh, of, of Chicago. And when, when the Lawndale neighborhood moved north to Rogers Park, he moved with them 
and he had his own crew. He reported directly to Gus Alex, uh, who was, of course, at the very top, and uh, Sam Carlisi. And he was dealing with Marcelo and Carlisi in a number of different outfit ventures, uh, loan sharking. He personally had been staked by Carlisi with a quarter million in cash to put out on the street. And, and he was uh, involved in extortions, bombings of theaters, all these things directly at the command of Sam Carlisi, who was then the boss of bosses of the Chicago outfit. So when Raynone got him on tape, they set up what was the begin, beginning of the end for the outfit. And I think people need to understand who, who Gus Alex is also. For, for people outside of, of Chicago, Gus Alex was basically the, I guess you could call him the equivalent of maybe the consigliere in Chicago. And when you look at the, at Chicago, the triumvirate in the seventies, once, once a guy like Paul Rica died and and several major outfit leaders died in the early seventies, Tony Accardo decided that the outfit would be led by himself, by uh, Joy Ayupa and the political wing and all of the the non-Italians and, and all of the the grift and a lot of aspects would be led by Gus Alex. So he was essentially on the same level as as Joy Ayupa. And he was responsible for much more for for things of greater import than than Joy Ayupa. I mean controlling the political arm and, and all the payoffs and 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 all of that is is much, much more than than the streets and the murders. So all of the politics and all the anything that had to do was definitely fell under Gus Alex. And he was part of a ruling triumvirate. He was a non-Italian part of a ruling triumvirate with Ayupa and uh, Accardo. So he was the, the leader top of the outfit. And he had been for years going back to going back to the, the, the 30s and the 40s, 40, he, he had come up under uh, the Murray the Camel Humphreys and had made those connections. He was the most connected guy in the Chicago outfit. So for a guy like Lenny Patrick to roll over against is essentially the political leader, national political leader and political leader of Chicago, this was absolutely crippling to the outfit. That was, he wiped out the entire political arm of, of the Chicago outfit. It, after Lenny Patrick brought down Gus Alex, this became a, basically a street crime organization. It was that those political contacts. I mean, that, I think that's a fair statement, right, Paul, those, those political contacts and judges. And I mean, that was all but, but eliminated with Gus Alex going away. You're absolutely right, Cam. And he not only took out Gus Alex, but he took out the boss of the Italians. Yeah, too, that's right. Yeah. Both of them at the same time. Uh, he wiped out the outfit and you put it beautifully by saying it became a street crime organization. Interesting. You know, you think about the, the division of labor and it started with Iupa. Iupa, uh, La Pietra. Uh, Jackie Cerrone, they had all the gambling, a lot of them, the sports gambling, but they also had the uh, skim from Las Vegas, and, and they ran all that stuff, while uh, Gus Alex, along with Lenny Patrick, ran all that uh, the politics, and you can't have a mob organization if you don't have cover politically. Right. Uh, that's why, even in Kansas City, we're pretty clean here, but we still never had any real mob prosecutions, and it certainly had 
very few of any little of any mob prosecutions at Cook County, and, and you couldn't even like get them convicted of a real crime, like murder, or, you know, assault or something. It's just a straight out crime. What you weren't even trying to do a RICO or anything on anybody. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, they just operate with impunity. And boy, you took out that whole gambling side, and that was all the all the money coming in. And uh, then take out shortly thereafter, you take out the political side, who then turns back and gets the new boss on the gambling side and uh, loan sharking and all that. Why? Right? It's uh, I tell you, by 1990, the outfit's gone, isn't it? It, it really is. Uh, it, it it still exists to a degree, but the Sam Carlisi was the last traditional old line boss of the outfit that, in my opinion, that ever ruled after that, it was never the same. Yeah. I, I think a, a guy like Gus Alex, you know, like, like you said, Gary, you had, you had Iopa who was dealing with the gambling, but I think that's a lot of, there's a lot of optics to that, you know, and you've got all these cities who have got characters who are not Italian, Gus Alex in, in Chicago. And, and, you know, as, as Paul said, Meyer Lansky, who was, who was New York and you had uh Mace, uh, Mace Rockman in Cleveland and these characters are not Italian. So they know when to step back and let, and let the Italians talk, but that doesn't mean that they're not running things. It's just for the optics of city to city where the Italians have to see that they're dealing with Italians they don't walk in the room. It doesn't mean that behind the scenes, they're not pulling the levers. They just, because of, of the uh, uh, criminal, um, the, the criminal view of, of non-Italians in that world, sort of, sort of their own prejudices. These guys don't always walk in the room when they're dealing with other cities. Gus Alex is, 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 sitting down with anybody in Chicago, but you go to Kansas city, you go to New York, right. you know, Meyer Lansky would leave the room when they were, when they were talking, you know, Italian to Italian. And the same thing with, with Gus Alex or Mace Rockman or, or any of those other guys who were not Italian. It was just a, it was just a, an optics city to city. It doesn't mean that they weren't pulling the levers. Well, thanks, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, look for the next episode in the Year of the Snitch coming soon. Don't forget to hit me up on your Venmo app, at Gangland Wire, or go to my donate page. Need all the help we can get. And as you know, I always have a little blurb supporting the Veterans Administration and their PTSD work, because it's a, it's a huge problem. There's a lot of cops with PTSD. I've probably got some myself. I uh, probably could use this myself, a little PTSD help. Uh, you know, there's one more thing about that. Here in Kansas City, I was at a company, uh, actually, they worked on my computer down here at 304 Armor Road in North Kansas City, and this is for you Kansas City people. There's a virtual reality company called OmniLife, and they ha they fix computers. They have a virtual reality games, which are really scary. They put me in one and asked me to walk up plank and walk out and look straight down from a, like a 50-story building. I couldn't do it. It's, it's so real. It's unbelievable. But the last thing that I want to tell you is they have PTSD therapy for military vets. They use virtual reality. would like put a vet in a convoy and then have a IED blow up right in front of them and have them walk them back through their experiences that they had in, in uh, the Middle East, or probably go all the way back to Vietnam now. Some of us are still around. 
and they have a doctor on staff whenever you do this. I don't know if they have a connection with the VA or not, but the guy was telling me about it. It sounded pretty interesting. So uh, I just wanted to give them a little plug for you Kansas City listeners, and uh, you may not have PTSD, but if you ever wanted to try something that was fun and, and exciting without taking any real physical risk, go up there to 304 Armor Road and check out the virtual reality games. Thanks, folks. Music provided by our good friend and super fan from Portland, Oregon, Casey McBride. Thanks, Casey.